Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022 with a total of $1.2 million in prizes across Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. The wait is over. Tron Grand Hackathon presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we're still at Salt. We're chugging along. We've got on the other side of the mic our guest, our return guest, Kristen Smith. This is her seventh appearance on the show. I think we might have to like retire your jersey. At no, this no, point. no. You're not supposed to retire the jersey. You're supposed to give me a Frank t-shirt yes. that says brutal on it. There, um, That's the only reason I'm doing this. We are going to set that up for you. We're almost running out. We only got 40. We have two more. Anyway, we got you on because you had some news this morning, which was pretty interesting. We're getting closer to the midterms happening, and you have announced a pack. There's no money, technically. You have to announce it before you actually start There's a raising. lot of rules around There's a lot packs, of rules. yes. And we've talked about the packs in the past. We've talked about the packs in the past. Try saying that a few times. <laughs> so why'd you do that? Yeah, so the Blockchain Association has launched the Blockchain Association PAC, and a PAC is a political action committee. And you have to remember there's two types of PACs. There's the super PACs, and then there's these more traditional PACs. So this is a traditional PAC, and it will allow anyone, uh, though we will be looking to the 98 member companies of the Blockchain Association and their employees first, anybody can donate up to $5,000 per mm -hmm. election cycle to the PAC, and then the PAC can then donate $5,000 to candidates, uh, you know, that we believe fit within the mission of the association. So for us, this is um, something that's very different from GMI PAC, which does a phenomenal job in the super PAC, you know, space. They do big ad buys and, you know, a handful mm -hmm. of targeted congressional races. For us, this PAC is really about building relationships. And it's something that will allow our government relations team to team up with other companies in the space, host fundraisers, and really just get time sitting in front of candidates, talking about all the exciting things going on in crypto and helping to further those relationships. And so forgive me because you explained this to me almost on like a quarterly basis. This type of pack, you are collaborating with the candidates Yes, this isn't the type of pack where we go and buy a bunch of airtime mm -hmm. or print out a bunch of mailers and spend a few hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars mm -hmm. in a single race. This is, if you look at congressional candidates, you know, the average House race cost a couple million dollars. Mm -hmm. Senate races are in the tens of millions of dollars. And so these candidates, many of which are sitting members of Congress, or many of whom are sitting members of Congress, they have to spend a lot of their time 
going out and mm-hmm. raising money in order to get reelected. And they often do that through these fundraisers. These are in-person events where you either sit down over breakfast or Mm -hmm. over lunch or over coffee or over dinner, and you have conversations. And so this is a tool um, that we can use to deepen relationships with those candidates and members of Congress that are already interested in this space. But hopefully we can use this as a tool to further build out into new areas. And I think we've seen recently like the House and Senate Agriculture Committees are spending a lot of time on these issues. You know, that wasn't always the case. You've got the tax writing committees and there's a lot of relationship building to do there. The Senate Banking Committee and House Financial Services Committee, they've kind of long been interested in this space. But there are a lot of other um, members of Congress. We have new candidates that are coming on the scene that are interested in this. And so this is a tool that allows us to give directly to those campaigns. And then those campaigns can choose to use the money however they want. Got it. So who are kind of like the top candidates that have come out as pro-crypto? Who are the What are the faces out there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It tends to be younger candidates, Mm -hmm. but there's no party distinction. I mean, I think if we have one victory that the broader crypto ecosystem has had in the past, you know, year, it's that crypto is no longer a Republican issue. There was a time where it was Republican. And now we really see, you know, members on both sides of the aisle. You see people Mm -hmm. like Jake Auchincloss from Massachusetts, you know, young, smart congressman, but he's very interested. You see Richie Torres from you know, local yeah. here in New York. He's interested. You see Kirsten Gillibrand, senator from New York. We used to commute on the same train from the Bronx. You and Kirsten or you and Richie Torres? Richie Torres. Yeah? Yeah. Very fast walker. I love a fast walker. Yeah. He's, yeah. Places to go. I like that. Well, he was in city council. It's wild to see where people, you know, end up. Yeah. So how much are you trying to raise? Can you say that? Is that legal? I mean, we want to raise as much as we can. Yeah. It's smaller dollar increments, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not like we can go out and get a couple donors and have them write, you know, six or seven figure dollar checks. It's a smaller dollar. Yeah. But our hope is, you know, to get somewhere in the six figure range, Mm -hmm. that would be a respectable pack for a trade association. And then use that to develop sort of a list of targets of members that we want to strengthen relationships with. And, um, you know, then team up with, you know, if CCI launches a pack or, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the exchanges launch packs or or some of our other members, like team up with them, combine that with individual contributions. Remember, individuals can always give up to $5,800 per election cycle to candidates. And this is just for this cycle. Yes, just for this cycle. But this year for the Blockchain Association PAC, this is not something that we plan to be active on um, in this upcoming election. This is really something that we're going to work to build out through the end of the year. So starting in 2023, you know, we can get in early and, you know, start participating more in the political process in a strategic and thoughtful and organized way. We've talked in the past about the surge in political givings, probably up until this major drawdown. So rewind the clock six months ago, the year prior to that was maybe like the golden age of crypto political givings. Has the volume of those givings gone down now that we're kind of like 
stuck in the doldrums? Yeah, I think the bear market has definitely, um, I mean, at least for me personally, yeah. right? Like I'm not giving anymore, right? I've spent all my money already. Yeah, <laughs> I don't seriously. have any money left, but the- We are down bad. Yeah, but you know, we um, hosted a couple fundraisers in New York this morning. We have more and more executives and founders that are- personally very interested in participating in the process and are willing to take the time to sit down and explain to somebody what's DeFi, you know, I mean, these are conversations Mm -hmm. that you have to have over and over again. And it's something that we do, you know, directly in lobbying on the Hill, but to get a member of Congress's time and, you know, you have a fundraiser where they're with you for an hour. I mean, you can have a pretty deep conversation. So, yeah, I think it slowed down a little bit. Part of that was fundraising in Washington, um, you know, kind of tends to slow down, I think, during the summer anyway, because people are on vacation. So I think we'll see it pick up again this fall. But I'm hoping to have more of these tools in place, more of a structure so that we can be very strategic about who we're reaching in 2023. What's the dark side of that look like? So there are people that you are targeting to win, but what about the folks you want to lose? What does that you side know, of lobbying and, <laughs> and, that, and um, pack raising look like? Yeah, you know, the... The I, down the dirty side of politics. Yeah, well, the, the dirty side of politics doesn't really stem from traditional pack giving, right? Mm. Um, because it's, again, it's it's $5,000 that's going to somebody's campaign. You know, if we want to go fund... Brad Sherman's opponent, we're not going to move the needle with with a pack, um, right? And so, yeah, I see, you know, when people are going on the offensive to try to take somebody down, that tends to happen on the super PAC side because you need those larger dollars. The, you know, traditional PAC giving is, it's a way to get in the room. You know, our government relations team, they don't, they can give a couple hundred dollars here and there at a fundraiser, but You know, this is a great tool for them that they can leverage and they can use to be a part of the process. So we're very excited about it. Get ready for season three of the Tron Grand Hackathon 2022. There are a total of $1.2 million in prizes up for grabs in Web3, DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, and the newly added Academy and Ecosystem tracks. So what are you waiting for? Join Tron for an opportunity to showcase your work, win funding for your project, and network with other builders in the community. Tron Grand Hackathon, presented by TronDAO. To learn more, visit trondao.org. I'm going to shift gears and just ask you about what the, get a temperature check on the Hill's reaction to sort of Coinbase backing this lawsuit aimed at Treasury. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, There's so much going on on the Hill right now that I don't think the Hill has particularly reacted to this. I think it does seem that the, you know, crypto community has viewed it favorably I can say for the Blockchain Association, we are working in conjunction with the DeFi Education Mm -hmm. Fund to try to get a general license request. So basically, if you're a lawful U.S. citizen who was, you know, lawfully using Tornado Cash, that you have, you know, permission to get your your funds out of there. That's something we're working on. And we want to do some education directly with regulators. But I think the community has viewed it favorably. The Hill is very focused on other issues. Mm -hmm. September is an incredibly busy month. This week, we have the Senate Agriculture Committee that's hosting a hearing on the Digital Commodity Consumer Protection Act. This is a bill that would give the CFTC Uh, spot market jurisdiction. I will say that bill is great because it does 
focus on the CFTC, but it does need improvements. There's there's some problems with the way that it treats DeFi. We think it gets sort of inadvertently wrapped up into these regulations, which would be impossible for DeFi to comply. Um, it also doesn't really solve the question of what's a security, what's a commodity. And so there's some improvements that I think we could see. But that hearing is going on this month. We also have Gary Gensler that's going to be testifying before the Senate Banking Committee. Um, and so know, when's that happening in September on Thursday? Well, we're in September. Yeah. <laughs> I took a few weeks off, so I'm kind of backed up. So what do you expect from chair Gensler? I know that he, I don't remember. It seemed like a big deal because I think one of those like Bloomberg news headline aggregators kind of misquoted a wall street journal article where the details of the article were a bit more nuanced, but the headline was that he wanted to give Bitcoin and ETH CFTC jurisdiction, but I think yeah, I think he didn't really say that. No, no, he said that for Bitcoin. So in some ways, what Gary Gensler said earlier this month is consistent with what he said, but at the same time, he does in tone seem to be a little bit more explicit, a little bit more escalating, and and I think there's some small nuances. Was it significant? So. Gensler has always said that the SEC should have jurisdiction over securities, over the issuance of security tokens and then the the trading of what he would call the secondary markets. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks that if you look at the universe of crypto tokens, that almost all of them are securities. Therefore, all of them go with him. He's more or less conceded that Bitcoin is a commodity, which I think is generally accepted, and that the CFTC should have a role to play in the regulation of commodities. So the big question is, is anything else a commodity or just Bitcoin a commodity? So he's not giving the CFTC anything we wouldn't expect him But to he give is the saying CFTC. that at least, and it's hard to sort of pull things out of Chair Gensler, but the revelation here is that we've always accepted Bitcoin equals commodity, but maybe it's now Bitcoin plus one or two or three, like it's it's a number, it's a number larger than one. Um, y- yes, but it's like two or three. Like that number is not. That's the sense that you have fifty or a hundred, like you would see on an exchange yeah. today. So the other thing he said that was really interesting is that you know he thinks there needs to be a division between the custodian, the exchange, and the broker, and so that would mean that you would have one entity that you know, signs up clients and customers, right? And does, you know, that piece of it. You would have another piece that's actually facilitating the exchange and yet another separate legal entity that is doing the custody. Uh, That's very different than the way Coinbase or Kraken or the exchanges work today. And so, you know, that I think raised some some He's effectively saying that they need to be different so you can't have Coinbase Acting as a broker, a retail broker, and then at the same time custodying assets and, and doing the exchange and doing of the, the exchange yeah, and matching. Like having, yeah. So um, they would, he would. What, what he, are we breaking I, up the big crypto firms? Is, I, I mean, that's that's that be, that's you could imply that based off of his remarks. So it's interesting because in some ways he hasn't really changed his story. He just thinks they're all securities and that everybody needs to go in to register. But we all know that. You can't just go in and register because if you're an exchange and you go in and register and become a national securities exchange, what are you going to trade? Because <laughs> none of those tokens have registered, right? They're all, they would all be illegal securities offerings. Ah, and if, if you're a token, 
you know, who's going to go and do that registration? And that's the question I've been asking. Right. And if you're generic blockchain labs and you launch generic blockchain protocol, you know, the health of the labs is not equal to the health of the protocol, right? Like those are different things. And so you would need a different type of disclosure for it to be relevant, I think, for investors. And so easy for him to say, come in and register. It's much, much more difficult to do in practice. And unless you can have an open conversation about, all right, if we wanted to put this in the SEC, how can we do it? What are the steps that are needed? Let's have an open rulemaking. Let's figure out the best way to do this for investors. You know, that's just a conversation that's not happening. But really, the job is in, for Congress, right? We need Congress to step in and help sort through these issues because they are the ones that can grant new authority and they are the ones that have the flexibility to design a regulatory system that matches the risks that we see in crypto. Can we go through the best case and worst case scenario? I guess best case would be, let's say, 10% of these tokens end up being securities and not much needs to change. Maybe U.S. exchanges delist them like the likes of maybe XRPs and a few others. Something's going to happen. Maybe that's the best case. The worst case is maybe that the opposite, like only three are considered commodities to some extent. And the exchanges are left with, to your point, nothing to do because they can't force. Yeah. Or they have to break up their businesses because, right. And they need to go through a process to get registered. I mean, listen, in my conversation with exchanges, both who are members of the Blockchain Association and not, nobody's saying no regulation. They're just saying, let's have workable regulation that's fair and not disruptive. Do you think that folks in the industry could get behind like, and this is all, I'm just, just making it up. sort of making it up, right? Like 50%, of, maybe 50% of these things are securities. And there's like a special crypto security disclosure, like what we see in like OTC markets or in like pink slip penny stocks where it's not the same degree of disclosure that you'd see, but maybe you have, you know, I don't want to name a specific asset, but you have Protocol Labs X having to f- submit the governance community of that, submitting some form of disclosure on a quarterly yeah, or basis. Yeah, have either, you could have the exchanges do that, right? Okay. I mean, they have resources and, you know, and you could piggyback off of other disclosures. I mean, and there are firms out there today. I mean, I was talking with somebody from Masari today, right? Like yeah. they do great aggregation of data on a quarterly basis. It's publicly available that talks about some of these features. So yeah, there's ways to do it. It's just getting a productive conversation going. And right now, the most productive conversation that we're having is not with the regulators, but it's really with Congress and figuring out the right way forward. Interesting. Do you think that there's any chance that we would see some sort of legislative action from Congress in the next few years? Yeah, I think we can do it in 2023. Okay. That's pretty ambitious. Pretty bold. It's the timing's right. You know, I think the crypto community's put in a lot of work. There's a lot of interest. It's a lot bigger than when we were trying to do the token I can't keep track of everybody now. There's all these people working on it, and it's wonderful. Um, It's really great. There's a lot of work to go around. And I think for the most part, the communication and coordination is pretty good, given that we have so many new people in this space. Mm. So, yeah, we've got, you know political tools. We've got our superpower Twitter that we can turn on and turn off when needed. You know, these members of Congress love to get that positive reinforcement that 
they have, you know, done something positive and yeah. And then we've just got professionals on the ground that are just chipping away at the education and coming up with the creative solutions. And so the pieces are there, you know, the pathways, you know, it could go many ways, but I'm optimistic we can get something done. Miss Smith. All right. You can send my t-shirt. Yes. We're running out. We've got to to talk to Barry (laughs) about getting, um, we got to find a better. I think I want one of the originals. So it's like Coke classic. (laughs) So how do you envision the future market share of Ethereum post-merge? <laughs> well, I think there you've are been, two key factors. One Ethereum. is that you'll have a constriction of supply, mm-hmm. and so that could play into the price. The second is that for developers who are <laughs> more interested in climate-friendly blockchains, that this will become a more attractive platform. And so we could see a boon of is this uh, what you said proliferation on, of DeFi. <laughs> is this what you said on, you said this on CNBC? Yeah, I'm an expert on the merge now. Yes, you're the merge spurt. Like, can you ask me about something I know, please? <laughs> yeah. No, that was a good answer. That's a perfect TV answer, too, because you, you really only want to take like 45 seconds to yeah. answer a question. 45 seconds to a minute. You guys should cut all of this out. <laughs> you think so? No, it's, it stays. It stays. What else are you excited about as we wrap up? Yeah. No, listen, I am super excited that the fall is here. I'm excited that Congress wants to get something done. I am excited that the industry is taking policymaking seriously. And I think that, you know, we just have to keep our heads down and keep working and that, you know, it's all going to work out in the end. Fantastic. And I'm excited for the merch. We all are. This has been very fun. I'm letting our policy team know that this was a fun, nice little episode. Kristen Smith of the Blockchain Association, seventh appearance on the show. I think we're going to have to take a break for a while, at least like 20. 20- we got, you can talk to Jake or Ron. We got That's like a whole true. team. You have a whole team. Dean's shaking his head. Poor Jake <laughs> and Ron. I feel like it's even stupid to ask you where our listeners can find you. Yeah, no, you can come to the blockchainassociation.org. But if you wait a few months, we'll have our new website launch. So don't rush to that. You can follow us on Twitter at at blockchainassn. Or you can follow me at at KMSmithDC. Fantastic. Thanks again for being on the show. All right. Thanks, Frank. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest, maybe even Kristen Smith. (laughs) Have a great day.